Welcome to Fit Story TV, the only platform that is focused on storytelling for fitness experts. Our mission with this podcast is to empower you to harness your vulnerability and lead with your story. If this is your first time listening, then make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss out when we drop more fire. What is going on, Fit Story fam? Matthew Burbridge is back in the motherfucking house, and today. I have an epic guest for you. But before we do get into this and before we get into the guest, um, I do want to just introduce you real quick, Rachel Pasta, because myself and you, we connected through Mike Zeller. He's a good friend and and a mentor to us both. Um, But that's how we met. And it's uh, the reason why I bring this up is because it's like a common, it's like a theme. Uh, Fit Story TV, it just grows. It's like grassroots, right? We get guests who are referred to us by other people. And it's just such a beautiful way to do it um, because it seems like every single time we were just chatting there before it kind of went live. And it seems like every single time uh, we're in front of people who it, it just feels right, right? There's a connection and very a lot um, of like uh, things that we can relate to. So uh, it's real good. Mike, shout out to Mike Zeller. He's a good guy. Um, now, when we actually met on his mastermind, I was like, I've got to dive into this person's story a bit, right? And I'm stoked for people to hear it because I know that this is a story that it will definitely change people's perspective of what's possible for themselves. And the reason I say that is because, like me, you know, you've gone through some things that most some people don't come back from. That's just how it is, you know. Some people don't make their way out of that. They stay locked into a certain way of doing things, and that just becomes their life. And they repeat pattern after pattern after pattern, and nothing changes. So I really do think that by people hearing your story today on this show, it's gonna just change people's perspective of what's possible for themselves. Like no matter what they're going through, what they've been through. Um, the the possibilities and and outcomes are endless for people right and uh, you you're living proof of that so uh, i wanted to kick this one off by saying uh, i read a, a recent article that you were featured in uh, on business insider you've been knocking around the industry for like 13 years 14 years coming up right and please if i get any of this wrong just be like that's not fucking true man <laughs> like stop me lying in the sun. i'm good so far right <laughs> Um, And one of the biggest things that I read from the article was how transformative NLP has been for your clients. And, um, you know, that's something that I think we will get the opportunity to talk about in this podcast, because um, the longer that I've been in this industry, the more I've seen more coaches are becoming qualified in NLP so they can support their clients. Just think it makes a lot of sense because, uh, you know, it's much more than just giving people a diet plan or a training program. You know, that was very much online coaching 15 years ago, 10 years ago. Um, Today, people really need help with breaking through certain patterns of behavior or letting go of traumas or whatever it is that's really holding them back from becoming who they want to become. To have the body transformation, you have to have the transformation internally first. That was one of the biggest things that I learned when I went through my bodybuilding um, experience was, yes, my body changed. It was amazing to see the progress in seven weeks, but what changed in here was worth just everything to me, right? So um, really excited to dive into some of that. And another thing that I want to mention is being around for like 13 years, 
Um, most people don't stick around for one. <laughs> <laughs> most people are in and then they're out. Like it gets a bit hard. They got a failed launch. They think it's going to flop. They're out. Uh, you know, some other bullshit. But 13 years is a long time. So um, keeping it brief and not going into your story too much. What do you think has kept you motivated to show up? Oh, man, I almost can't stop laughing. That's so true. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I wish it wasn't because I, 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 didn't I, work. I'm fucking done. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny that you say that. That's why I think that I'm laughing even more because I actually was singing that this morning. I was like, man, I um, so many people just give up on uh, the dream of helping people because it doesn't look exactly the way that they think it should look right away. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of dealing with that in some other aspects of my life right now. So I had to bring myself back in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what's kept me going for sure has been my mission. And um, I'm very, very, very attached to that. And in a lot of ways, it's it's my purpose. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, that keeps me going. You're living it out. Uh, and it's funny you say that because I've been going through some reflections lately and stuff about what I'm doing and, and what Fit Story's doing. And there's more to unfold on that story as it goes. But um, I really took stock the other day. I was looking back through my journey as an entrepreneur and I went all the way back to when I had a clothing and supplement brand called Be Supreme. And it was the ethos that kept me going. Um, and the ethos was be more, do more, be supreme. And what that meant to me and what I wanted it to mean for other people was just, it was everything. And that's what kept me waking up every day. I mean, I built that business for four years. It didn't make any money, but I didn't care. And it's when you are attached to your mission that much, like, you know, and I know when I'm not, and I know when I am. And I think that it's just so important if people are listening to this right now, like if you don't have that, like, it's not to say, I don't want this to come across like you have to have that in order to be able to show up, but it fucking helps, doesn't it, Rachel? <laughs> like if you can, <laughs> if you can find it, like if you could be passionate about your mission, like that is worth its weight in gold. Like that's really where the magic happens because when you're not, um, any little failed launch or if your ads don't work or you know if you're co- like whatever it is, one of these insignificant reasons that usually knocks people off track is is going to happen if you don't have a a mission that you're on. So talk to us a little bit about that mission. Again, without diving into your story, because we're going to pack that away for a minute. But um, let's just talk to me a little bit about your mission. Like, why is it so important to you? Well, my mission is to impact the masses with joy, um, and specifically of health and fitness. Um, And, um, you know, that that's really important to me because for so long I was searching for that joy. So that's how it became. And, you know, what you were saying is some having everybody needs to have a place that they find drive from. And we're not always we're not not everybody is purpose people. In fact, um, a large amount of people are not purpose driven people, but you still need to find where your drive comes from and, and attach that to what you're doing. And I think that's really, really important to what you were just saying is in whatever way you need to do that, you need to find that because that is the truth. That is the truth. You will be knocked on your ass so many times that will make you feel like, you know, this wasn't meant to be for you. You're not supposed to be doing this. Why am I doing this? And all these thoughts will start coming to your head unless you you know where that drive comes from. Yeah, I found um, for a while I got suckered into thinking it was money 
And I know that happens to a lot of people. Um, you know, like uh, 10K months is not a vision. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth. That's the truth. It's not. It is, right? I fucking, I'm like, copy, get that trademarked. 10K <laughs> months is not a vision. That's great. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, moving on, just because I want to, I'm really excited to get into the story. I know that there's so much that's going to come out of this for people. But um, you know, I mean, you're holding it down. You're doing a lot of stuff transformation expert you're a mum, a wife uh, again you've been featured in all these different publications you've done amazing work you opened a gym right a gym owner um, and also one thing that I wanted to touch on just to let people know about is the uh, is it fist fitness festival event break free yeah it's break free yeah it's break free festivals mm-hmm. love that where did that come from without again diving into your story too much and i'm making this hard for you but i want to give people some context as to what you've created before we go back in the delorean and really unpack you know how that all came to be mm-hmm. well uh let's see in 2017 had the it, it just all kind of came together in in my mission to impact the masses how could i do that on a whole nother level and and really that came to bringing people together right? Bringing people together in the masses. And, um, and so from there, uh, the festival was born and, and really, um, it, it has just, it has been the biggest passion project I could have ever thought to take on. I, I loved hearing what you just said about, you know, doing the supplements. You were so passionate about it for four years. You didn't even make any money, but you just kept waking up and yep. doing it. Because you just believed in it, yep. and um, and that very much has been the festival for me. Is like I just believe in it with every ounce of my being, and it it really has taken off in so many ways, and it really does bring in the masses. But really, how do we? It's been a huge obstacle in my mind and my beliefs of how I take that to the next level. Yeah, and um, we'll definitely get into that because I think that for a lot of people that comes up in different ways of how their beliefs hold them back and keep them where they are and seeing the really realm of possibilities and, and understanding that that's available for them. Yeah. And you know what? Something just popped into my mind. I think there's a, a festival to be had ho- over here toward London, right? Because uh, you said you wanted to take a trip to London sometime. Yeah. You go well, to the UK, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah and there's some really great festivals there some great festivals there is um there's a so when i had my old brand be supreme um i actually very early days actually it, when i started the company um there's a there's a, a an expo here called body power it's run by a couple of guys um steve and nick orton the brothers and um i remember like the first time i had this like at the time i was barely making any money at all I was I was didn't even give a shit I was like I'm just doing this because I care about it so much I'm gonna get out there and make this happen and I remember in, I think it was in the first year or year and a half uh, I heard about that event <clears throat> I was like oh my god like I've got I've got to check this out I remember like reaching out to them by email and I was like yeah I'm really you know look, looking forward to like expanding my business and like meeting more people and seems like body power is a perfect place to make this happen like tell me you know give me a quote on you know one of your 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 stalls and stuff and I remember they quoted me something ridiculous it was like at the time for like just a tiny little square of space and it was right the way over in the corner of the (laughs) 
<laughs> and at the time I was like, I was, I didn't even have the money, but I was considering like, how am I going to make that work? I'm going to be there. I'm going to make this happen. Uh, didn't end up making it happen, but um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's large festival. And I think that it's neat. We need more of them. Um, we need more of them because again, fitness for me, it, it just transformed everything about my life and who I am. And I know there's still, and same for you. And there's so many people out there that it may just be, that going to the gym isn't the thing that really gets them um, inspired. It might be going to an event. It might be going somewhere where there's a community of people where there's, and just looking at it that way instead to go into somewhere that's an event kind of, um, you know, that is lots of different things happening and people meeting and, and you can get that in a gym, but it might be something like that. That is the reason why somebody decides to change and pursue this lifestyle. And I think that everybody should, um, because uh, you know I have everything that I have I owe to this um, so what I want to do is you send back to the future movies oh yeah oh yeah Great. this is my favorite part right we're gonna let's say I, let's say I get the DeLorean off the drive and we're gonna we're gonna open those doors I'm gonna hop on in all right and we're gonna we're gonna go way back in time like way back before you were the Rachel Pastor of today and way back to when you can kind of first remember the world through the eyes of a child. Um, where did you grow up? Like, who was around you? And what do you remember your life being like at that point, if you'd love to share it with us? Wow, this is awesome. I don't think I've ever taken it back this far um, to share. But yeah, I, I was born in Fort Collins, Colorado. Uh, but shortly after that, moved to Long Beach, California. Uh, with my mom and dad. My mom was going to school out there. My dad got a job with Boeing and uh, me and my sister. My sister's two years younger than me and we lived out there. Love the beach. I'm always drawn to the ocean. Always draws me back. Lived out there for a few years and then we moved back to Colorado where the rest of our family is. I come from a huge, huge Hispanic family and also an Italian family. So there's just, there's family everywhere, but they live in this, they live in this Colorado area. So it was really good to get back here. Um, and I switched around schools a ton, always was moving to the next school. My parents had gotten divorced when uh, we lived in California and my mom uh, just moved on to multiple different marriages. And so that kept us kind of, you know, moving from house to house to house in different places. Mm. Um, and then shortly after that, she had my brother and my brother is significantly younger than me, but, um, grew up around a ton of family, love family. And uh, yeah, I have a brother and a sister, um, not very close uh, when I was growing up with my dad, after they got divorced, he really, uh, went on a separate road. He really struggled with addiction, um, successful in, uh, in work but really struggled in his heart and his mind. Mm. And um, so he really wasn't around growing up. I was really at that point then raised by my family that we lived around and, um, and somewhat by my mom, but she was pretty occupied with new lives that she was creating with other marriages. So um, just kind of different, kind of changed over time. Yeah. I always like to ask the question about, um, you know, what life was really like for people as a child, because uh, that is ultimately what shapes us, isn't it? Going into our teen years before the world takes us, um, because that's ultimately what happens, you know? Uh, and for me growing up, it was very broken and dysfunctional family. And 
you know, kind of going through college, hoped to kind of uh, reinvent myself after my brother did what he did. Um, but, you know, then I was pulled into all these different things and, and, and you know, kind of like the, the world just took me. Um, but the how who I was was shaped all from my childhood, from how I watched my mum and my, my brothers and people around me. And, and it shaped, you know, who I really was. I think that's something that everybody can relate to. Um, so that's why I really love to answer that, ask that question. But what I'm interested to kind of unpack is um, you, you mentioned, um, and of course, tell us as much as little as you want, really. But um, you mentioned the, the divorce. And I know those types of things. And this isn't no therapy session, by the way. It's just like a question. <laughs> um, uh, you know, that sort of stuff, it really does. It really does have an effect. Um, and you also mentioned your, your, your dad's addiction. But I know that addiction comes into your life, into your story a little down the line, right? Um, it, the dots connected there, was it? Kind of playing out what you saw, I assume? Yeah, yeah, I'll continue forward with that. So, um, you know, my, my parents' divorce, I think, uh, wasn't as affecting on me as what they chose to do after that in their lives and kind of how that energy ended up... Um, playing out into some of the decisions that I, I, I made later on and into what I was searching for. Mm. Um, so, you know, I think the best way to go into it after just saying what, what I just told everybody is, is, um, at, at really at that time when my mom really was going off and exploring and, and creating this new life and these new relationships and, and, um, and in, in these different marriages, and then my dad really struggling with his addiction um, really just left me as a child searching for love. It's, it left me searching for a connection. It left yeah. me searching for filling a void, right? Yeah. Something that I was looking for. Um, and, and I think that everybody is searching for, right? Everybody wants that. And I was really looking for the light that I saw in other other people, like in in other people and them living out their lives and how they felt and that joy and that fulfilledness. I wanted to feel that for myself, and I was really on a search for that. Yeah. And because it at that time was not available in those areas, um, I went searching for it in any place that it would it would come to me. Yeah. And it ended up came, coming to me at 15 years old. I um, I met my boyfriend. And uh, he was a few years older than me and fulfilled a lot of that emptiness that I felt. I was finding it from him, right? Whatever he was yeah. feeding to me. Yeah. And then as well uh, through an addiction. So at 15, I tried heroin for the first time. And, you know, I remember, I remember trying it for the first time. I had done other things before that. You know, I yeah. smoked pot, done mushrooms, done things like that. But yeah. I remember a Never friend. The hard stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hadn't quite reached that point yet. Um, and I, I knew right away. I knew there was a difference, you know. I and and um, at least for me, I, I knew. Um, and I, a friend had brought it from California, and I remember sitting there, and everybody looked around, and they all said, "You know, we're all looking at each other like they said. Once you try this, you're like addicted." And yeah. I was like, "I don't know. Let's see." <laughs> and and honestly, from there, it, it really was a path of, in that moment, being completely free from all the weight that I had felt. It, yeah. it, in that moment, I felt 
every all the pain that had fulfilled me, all the anxiety, all the depression, all the the feelings mm-hmm. just were like gone, and yeah. I felt free, and and I knew that that's in my mind. I felt like that this is what I've been searching for. This feeling right here. Yeah. And, and instantly drawn into that. And in my life from there, really for the next five years became completely about chasing that feeling. Yeah. It came, became everything. I really appreciate you sharing that. I do. Um, and I, I, I fucking heavily relate to some of the things you said. Um, and, and, you know, I want to kind of share some of that um, as we just dive into this conversation, because you know, my brother, I don't know if you know too much about my story, but, um, you know, grew up a very dysfunctional family. Um, sexual abuse was rife in my family. My brothers were both abused. My sister was abused. My mother was abused. Um, I was uh, physically abused. Um, you know, uh, I saw a lot of stuff that kids really not supposed to see. Um, but then when I was 10 years old, my brother then went out one evening um, and he murdered somebody and took somebody's life. <clears throat> And after that event, um, we, you know, we, we, we knew it was him. Uh, my, my other brother came around in the morning and told my mum. We marched down to the police station. We, we, handed, we handed his name over and within 24 hours he was arrested. And within another 24 hours, our last name was published in the newspapers. And within another 24 hours, we had panic buttons uh, installed in the property downstairs in the kitchen and one upstairs in, in my mum's bedroom. We basically had was held hostage then in our home for a good few weeks until they could move us temporarily. Um, But after all of that stuff, it was like a year of kind of in and out of bed and breakfast and hostels um, in temporary digs, basically. Um, But the big, the biggest thing was a feeling of rejection because out of both of my brothers and even my sister, to be honest, um, had a really like strong brotherly connection with the brother that murdered somebody. Um, so for me, like, oh, and this has taken me years to dissect it right? in the same way. It probably took you a long time to really like what the fuck happened. <laughs> it was like naught to 100 in this period. But when we really break it down, we can start to decompartmentalize it and make some sense of it. And when you mentioned like that feeling of like, um, like trying to find love or acceptance or you know just to not feel it was rejection for me I felt like he just rejected me like and it it, it, that's I think what led me down the path of finding something to accept me again and drugs was that drugs was the answer to that and whenever I did drugs I felt present I felt that there was nothing else outside of what I was doing that was really important anyway and when I was taking drugs, I was usually with other people that were taking drugs and we were all, it made me feel like, again, accepted. This is my people. These are all people that are just like me. And I didn't now feel like the boy whose brother murdered someone. I felt like, even though that was the biggest fucking secret and nobody knew for 18 years, it was only in April, 2018 that I shared it for the first time, but for I actually felt accepted. I actually felt like these, this is what I'm supposed to be. And then I, that was me. That became my identity. And I anchored into that. So, you know, um, I hope that kind of gives you some context as to why I, I'm saying that I relate to where you've been and where you're at now. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I could just feel that from you um, and, and how impactful that has been in your life and shaped you. 
Yeah. And that, that's why, again, like um, I always say that, you know, health and fitness or, or fitness, I, I think that it found me. I was not seeking it. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I wasn't fucking out there saying, hey, I'm going to get shredded. I'm going to start, <laughs> start working on my <laughs> But it, it came around like it, it found me. Um, and I write about this in my book. Uh, hopefully one day we'll get released. Um, but I remember at that point in my life, like looking out of uh, looking out of the perspective I had, it was like there was just a one way path of prison or death for me. That was it. Uh, and things were really, really bleak. They were super bleak and I just couldn't see a way out. Um, but then I slowly did realize and, you know, as I began being introduced to the fitness lifestyle, um, I became hooked on that, it became a different type of addiction. Was that the same for you? Yeah. Um, you know, it's, I, I love how you say it found you. Um, it mm. was really, so at 20 years old, that boyfriend, we had been together all that five years. So we were at, you know, towards the past, the last couple of years of our addiction, um, homeless and, uh, really had, had lost everything. Um, yeah. I had lost all my family and a lot of that was to me just disconnecting from them in, in just, um, they, they did try to seek me out multiple times, but I really disconnected from them for a lot of reasons. Yeah. Um, and at 20, he died of a heroin overdose. So in that moment for me, it really was death or change. Um, because everything once he was gone was gone. And, yeah. and, and so as much as I honestly didn't want to live, I really didn't. I, I, I would have actually preferred at that time to just end my life. Um, but I decided I was going to give it one more chance, which is so interesting to say because I had given it a lot of, I, I had tried a lot of different times. You know, I'd gone to methadone clinics. I'd tried to, to leave it and it, it just, it, it was, it, it was intertwined into my identity. Like you yeah. talked about, it was yeah. just all I knew. It's who I was. It's all I could see. Yeah. And, um, and so I remember after he passed away, I was in the kitchen at a friend's house and she had like allowed me to take a shower there and everything before the, the funeral. And I was just standing like, I could not stop crying. I just couldn't even hold myself together. And I was like, God, if there is a God, I don't even know if you're out there, like I'm done. So whatever it is, just take me now or do something. Cause I'm done. Mm. And, um, it was after that things really started to pop into place of, um, I ended up connecting with a friend at the funeral who her mom lived in Hawaii and we had this car that didn't drive, but we would sleep in it. And I ended up selling it for an, just enough money to buy a ticket to Hawaii. And this friend's mom was willing to take me in. And it was like wow. all of these synchronicities Wow. That led me to moments of um, being able to step into that transformation, right? And we all have those moments available to us at all times. It's just that sometimes we're not allowing ourselves to see those opportunities um, of doors and moments that are allowing us into a different pathway in life. And we have an opportunity to grab onto it and take it. Um, or to continue to walk forward, right, and in the path that we're on. Because yeah. I think a lot of the time people look at their lives and they're like, 
I don't have any of those opportunities. Nothing's available to me. It's all that they can see, right? Instead of being able to see in different moments of time when those things were available to them, but their choice whether to take those things or not, because in life, everything is a choice. 100%. A choice. Um, so when I was in Hawaii, I remember my only promise to myself every single day, I just had one promise. That was it. And that was just to not use for that day, just to not use for that day. And I didn't even, I knew when I got off that plane, I wasn't searching for a methadone clinic or anything. Um, and so that was my only goal. And in a lot of days, honestly, getting out of bed <clears throat> was <laughs> optional because my body was so destroyed from years of sticking a needle into my arm and years of taking methadone while I was sticking a needle into my arm and methadone goes into your bones and it's pretty nasty. Um, so, so that was my only goal. And I always teach people that now into my program of looking back of it's one thing a day that you start with. It's just one promise to yourself a day. Honestly, that's where all change starts. It's that one opportunity. It may seem small, but it's that one opportunity. That's where everything's going to go into momentum from. So much to unpack um, from what you've just said. I, I fucking love this conversation. Um, and I, you know, I, I guess what I want to start is talking about um, the opportunity, um, seeing it being able to see it and in my book I actually I've shared this story a couple of times uh, you know it's crazy how how it did come around um how fitness kind of did present itself so my mum uh, I love my mum dearly of course she birthed me and you know uh, as much as she has had a lot of her own problems that you know when I was a kid I didn't understand why she was lashing out but obviously now I'm older I understand her story of abuse and things I understand why she acted that way but my mum basically is not the type of person. She wasn't the type of person to really take any shit. <laughs> so um, I remember one day I was around her house and uh, I just, I'd just come back from a, a relationship breakup with a girl who we had got pregnant um, when we decided not to keep the baby because we were not the type of, you know, we just, it would have been a bad fucking choice. Uh, all round so we decided to have an abortion and things were really quite tricky at that time she moved back with her mum and dad I went back to my mum's I'm sitting there you know I was still drug dealing a little bit but I was like half out half in half out trying to figure th things out like really couldn't see a, a path forward but you know I kept telling myself you know um there must be something but at the same time I was like this is who I am so I'm just going to keep dealing I'm going to keep doing drugs and I'm gonna probably end up in prison or dead because my brother's in prison and if I don't die soon from taking drugs it's only a matter of fucking time so I remember sitting with her and we were at the table and I call this the one page theory and she's um she's trying to help me find a job and she starts flicking through some of these pages in this newspaper and she's got a highlighter pen and she's circling things off and I'm sitting there and, you know, I'm way too alpha for a job at this point. I'm dealing and I'm doing all the badass alpha stuff there is to be doing. And everything she was circling, I was like, bun that mum, fuck that. I ain't doing that. Let's circle this one. Anyway, after about six or seven things that she had mentioned, she was really, the fuse was starting to get <laughs> pretty <short. laughs> I could feel it burning down. I thought in a minute, she's going to drag me by my head out of this house because that was what she's like. It's like. I'm try, I'm going to try. And then it's gone. 
And I remember she was like, what about this one? Like, no, I ain't doing this. I'm making more money now. No way. It's a shop assistant. No, blah, 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 blah. No. Anyway, just before she's like really getting frustrated with me, she, as I'm about to walk out, because I'm getting annoyed that she keeps asking me to take these bullshit jobs. And she's annoyed because she's really trying to help her son not end up in prison or be dead. And she's getting frustrated because she's like, I want you to just get a job, Matt, and just sort start sorting something out. Anyway, I'm about to walk out. She's about to drag me out. <laughs> and she turns this page one more time. And she goes, what about that? Look, it's government funded and you can become an ABA boxing tutor. And in my head, I'm like, oh, boxing. Well, I've had a few little rucks. I could probably do something like that. Like, what's the money? And she's like, well, it's, it's, it's like part-time pay or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And anyway, I don't know, Rachel, what happened between saying yes to my mum with that and when I turned up to the guy for the interview, his name's Quentin Schillingford. He's an MBE. He's been knighted by the Queen for the work that he does with the youth in Portsmouth and the surrounding areas. He's a phenomenal guy, ex-Navy, uh, ex-Navy boxer. And um, I don't know what shape I was in when I turned up to that interview. But all I can say is that something he saw, he gave me an opportunity. I don't know what it was, because if I was looking at that shell of a human, I would have been like, no thanks like you are not here you're not present i would have been clicking in the person's face like bro you actually here are you because <laughs> i was just a shell in the same way that you probably felt and looked when you were standing in that kitchen mm -hmm. that's how it felt i was just there just drained of everything just to, i don't care anymore just whatever and he gave me an opportunity and it, that opportunity led to me starting to train a couple times and then i started to learn about boxing and then it, it, before i knew it the addiction was gone. I was no longer taking the drugs. I was selling some still, but I wasn't taking the drugs anymore. And now all these other things were popping up for me. And I felt different. I felt like new. I felt re revived almost. And that's why I call it the one page theory. And why I want to wrap it back to that thing where there are always opportunities there, but how many are you closing down? And then to lean into what Rachel said about it's a choice to do that. It's a choice to, con to continue down the path you're going down, or it's a choice to fucking make a change and do something different. Right. Yeah, absolutely. When are you going to say yes? Right. I, I can't tell you how many opportunities were probably presented to me before that one. Um, but I <clears throat> kept saying no, right. I was kept stuck. I was stuck on where I was. Um, but when, when is the opportunity that you're going to say yes? Right. Mm -hmm. That you're going to say yes and see what's behind that door for you and let that happen. Um, it's scary. Like, mm -hmm. did you feel that like obviously getting on getting on a, a one way ticket to Hawaii is a pretty scary thing for anyone to do at any point in their life. But to do it at the point you did. I mean, that's probably what does hold people back is like, at least, you know what you know, you know, mm -hmm. so you know what it turns out like if you take that heroin again. In the yeah. same way that I knew what it looked like if I just went went and shot some more drugs again. Yeah. But I didn't know what it looked like to do anything different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I tell people that all the time when they can't even wrap their heads around, like, why I would have stayed into a heroin addiction for five years, allowed myself to become homeless, all these things to happen. They can't even wrap their heads around that. But I'm like, but that's all I knew. Like... Mm -hmm. I knew what I was going to get when I stuck the needle in my arm. I knew what I was going to get. And that's how we all live our lives. You may not be living it in a heroin addiction, but you are living in what you know. 
and yes. and and you're continuing to wake up for that every single day. So actually, you feel very maybe out of touch to my story of you know you can't understand how somebody would live on that. And now I'm to the point of seeing people live in and wake up and live the same thing over and over and over again, where they're really really unhappy. They're unhappy with their lives. They're unhappy with their jobs. They don't feel good about themselves, but yet they keep waking up and doing it day after day after day. Honestly, there's not a lot of difference in those stories. Mm, that's powerful. I've often said it's, um, you could be addicted to struggle. <laughs> you can literally be addicted to the feeling of being a victim. You can be addicted to the feeling of struggling. So you want to do it more and you almost becoming codependent in struggle because that's so much easier than making a choice to do something different. Right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, um, it's, yeah, it's way easier. And, and I think over time, because of all the studying I've done, realizing how the brain works and, you know, that's all come to a lot of realization to me to understanding why we're like that. But at the time when I didn't know that, and I had no, con you know, I, I couldn't even, I, I didn't even look at things that way. When I was waking up and keeping one promise to myself every single day, I didn't realize what I was doing and creating a new pathway in my brain and creating out new habits and behaviors. Now I know how all that works and that's amazing. But at the time when I was doing, I, I didn't, but I still was able to do it, right? I was I was still doing it. Yeah. Um, and and I, I think that I love that. I love the beauty in that of knowing that um, we don't have to have all the pieces figured out. We don't have to have every, uh, we don't have to know exactly how it's going to end or what that's going to lead to um, in order to continue to take that step forward. But it's a choice to continue to take that step forward. Yeah, that's so powerful. I love that. And especially the part about keeping the promise to yourself, like you woke up every day and what you altered, what, what created your transformation was ultimately an accumulation of those daily promises. Um, because I, I relate the, the, the idea of, you know, sticking to what you say you're going to do, even if it is just a very small thing, um, as being what builds confidence in whatever it is that you're doing, you know, because if you start to break promises that you are keep trying to keep to yourself, you start to break those promises. So for example, let's, <clears throat> sorry, let's relate that to someone building a fitness business, for example. So how that would look. Uh, to somebody listening is trying to build your business would be like, um, you know, you say, you say to yourself in your head, you're like, I'm going to wake up at 530 this in the morning. And then you say that you said it, but then in the morning you wake up at 630. It may not seem like a big deal, but because you promised yourself you were going to do it because you made the commitment internally, you said, I am going to do this because of this goal that I have, right? It might be that they're waking up an hour earlier so they can get their workout in so they can be more productive, whatever it is, but they break the fucking promise and then over time, once you've broke that promise 10, 15, 50 times, you're now, you ain't so confident anymore. It starts to chip away at your confidence in your ability to fucking produce the results that you want. Mm -hmm. And it happens. And before you know it, you ain't producing the results you want. And you think it's because there's no, there's no leads or there's no this or there's no that. And you're looking at all over the place for a different way to do things. But really, it's because you're not sticking to the promises that you make to yourself. Mm -hmm. yeah self-integrity is everything it really is it's it's what i was gonna say it's life-changing you're proof yeah, it is it's life life-changing self-integrity finding that most people it's it's not that they don't have integrity i mean i've had integrity to a lot of things in my life and i i even did during that time in my life i had integrity to to different things 
maybe they weren't the best things for me, but I, I did show up for those things. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was lacking self-integrity oh, uh, for sure, because I wouldn't, I knew in my heart, you know, I, I would never keep promises to myself until I started keeping that one promise. Yep. And that's where the self-integrity built from. But um, I, you know, I, I want to tell anybody who's who's building out a fitness business. And, and that's why I love telling this story. And I love hearing your story of, of um, I think a lot of the time people being like, man, I have, I don't have, you know, I don't have the credentials or I don't have what it takes or I don't have this or I don't have that. And, and, and thinking that that's not available to them. Um, but hearing your story and hearing my story of understanding um, that, you know, you could go through all of these things and still make it happen, right? Mm -hmm. You are putting those limits on yourself. You are the one who created those limits. Nobody else created those limits for you. You created those limits in your mind. When you really think about it, um, that's that no one said, no one said that you had to do it this way or that way. You created all that in your mind. When you finally find a way to break free of those, what I call the prison of your mind, of, of your limits, you will see all the possibilities that are available to you. And honestly, it is endless. And I hope you hear that in this story is that this is, you could go from basically being walking dead like I was, like it sounds like you were, you know, just into, into a life and rebuilding yourself and transforming your life. You can go from where you're at right now and the possibility of creating and impacting people's lives when you realize that whatever parameters you've put in place, those are not actually real. You can do anything that you put your mind to. Uh, when I was invited to the gym for the first time during my recovery, I remember her her inviting me to go to work out with her. And, and, and mind you, now where I'm at now, okay? When she asked me to go work out with her, I literally looked at her and in my head I was thinking, I could give a fuck less, who works out? That <laughs> sounds horrible. Like why do people do that? People actually go to the gym? That was no part of who I was. Yeah. Um, but what I did see is somebody inviting me to do something and I was drastically craving a connection with somebody. Um, and, and because I wasn't using, I was trying to learn how to connect with people outside of using um and on a on a completely sober level and so i went to the gym and we just walked on the treadmill together and we watched tv and my it really grew from there and it all came from me creating a connection with somebody it wasn't because i grew up in um you know in being uh this crazy high level athlete and i had you know i that was in me and i was just born that way no it didn't come from that at all it came from another place and it came from wanting to feel good. I was searching for something again. Like I was searching when I was 15, I was back to searching. And so when we were there walking on the treadmill, she invited me back. We kept going back and back and back. And I remember we went to this cycling class. We were in the cycling class and everybody's hooting and hollering. And I'm just looking around and everybody like, oh my God. And we get going and everybody's pushing really hard and my endorphins start going hard. And everybody's energy is like, yeah. And I was just like, energy was just like, I'm like, my the hairs on the back of my neck were standing up and it was so exciting. And I walked out of there, I got in my car, rolled down the window on the way home. And I was like, I was, it was like, I just did drugs. Yeah. It was like, I was like, what is yeah. this? 
Yeah. And um, I was like, whatever this is, I want more of this. Like, this is what I've been searching for. And it really led me into that's where everything propelled from there in my mission in life of like, because I knew so many people were searching for what I just had found. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I was like, I gotta, I gotta show this to other people because I have, I had walked in a life of knowing, and you don't even need to go through what I went through to know that there are people hurting. There are people who are searching for this joy, right? There are people who are waking up every single day wondering why they're even alive, right? I know that there is so much out there and I wanted to be able to show them, oh my God, I just found this thing. You don't need to do drugs to get there. You don't like, my mind was blown. I was like, like, this is possible? Mm -hmm. How do we do this? How do we bring this to more people? You know? That's so amazing. I really sense the passion that you have for what you do, you know, just in talking to you, I can, you can feel it. Um, I think even people can feel it listening to the podcast, but we're, you know, we're not doing the video, but I'm seeing you now and I can see as you're kind of going back into who you were at that point and how it made you feel again to start experiencing that. I can see that the passion hasn't, it's not, it's not died out over these last since 2008, when you come into the industry, it seems like it's just further anchored you in to want to do what you're doing. Uh, and that's a very special thing. Well, thank you. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely am. Even into this past year, I feel like I've anchored even in even harder because I feel like it's been brought to a lot of people's attention into um, reality about themselves and how they feel about themselves and their lives. And um, it's awakened people in a different way and, and maybe in ways that they didn't necessarily know that they need to be awakened to the world that they've been living in or how they feel about themselves and the lives around them, right? And in a whole new way, in a whole new way. And um, I feel like that's anchored me even more to show people like there is this joy is available to you. It's available to every single person. It doesn't matter if you weigh 500 pounds. It doesn't matter if you're homeless. It doesn't matter if you're a heroin addict. It doesn't freaking matter. It's available to anybody and everybody. And it's a choice to step into it and, 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 and take a hold of it or to even experience it. Yeah. So one thing that I want to talk about is um, with every high, there is a low, right? We know this. It, life does this. Our, our emotions do this. Our feeling, you know, our, it, just our frequency does this all the time. Nothing is a constant, right? Um, so at this point in your story, you reach the, this, this peak, you know, you, you've come from like rock fucking bottom, mm -hmm. you know, boyfriend, unfortunately, and then hopping a one-way ticket to Hawaii going for all this like I can only assume at the time was just like I don't know what it is but I'm gonna go because it's either that or dead right mm -hmm. you then you reach this peak where you fitness found you or you found fitness through you know through the friend mm -hmm. um and and I've been there too like that experiencing this this just this immense high from what it gives you like not just physically like we were talking earlier it was the mental stuff that came to me it was the um it was like I, I was I was building my mind as well as my body right I was stacking all these new habits and behaviors and I was literally 
shifting my identity from a low life drug addicted fucking loser with who just didn't see any possibility or outcome for himself other than prison or dead to shifting my entire identity and how I saw the world through the vessel of fitness and health. And I've reached that peak too, you know, where I'm like, wow, this is amazing. But then I've also had some fucking rock bottoms as well. So I've been at this level where I'm like experiencing life on this whole new thing, but then other things happen outside of your health and fitness journey with relationships or with family or with work or whatever it is. And what I would really love to to talk about is now we've reached this point where, you know, you you hit a a real high in your story. Can you remember around this this journey of transformation where it didn't continue like that and where actually things outside of your health and fitness shifted um, and, and caused it to go the other way? And then if so, what did that look like? And how did you overcome that Goliath, if that was the case? Oh, yeah. I knew there might be something because, like well, I said, nothing's a constant, probably, right? There's a <laughs> yeah. I actually just like, actually, I, this podcast is over, Matt, because it fucking <laughs> stayed on the peak. And now I'm <laughs> <laughs> Anybody says that, we know it's not true because that's oh, not yeah. like life is full of peaks and valleys. 100%. Um, and, you know, I just saw this meme the other day of my friend sent it to me. I, I just have it plastered in my head because it's so the truth of this friend there's this toilet in the front they're little kids but the one do you know what i'm talking about? yes i literally so have that i've just been sending this to people please tell me this is the yeah same the one. one kid is throwing up and the other yes <laughs> <laughs> if people could actually see this right now oh my goodness me i just sent that to my friend like uh the day before yesterday um, yeah the friend the- throwing up over it it says um a, a per someone being woke and That's then it. yeah and then the friend who's like rubbing their back is the person who is woke oh so but good when you're being woke <laughs> it um i always tell people especially since i help them through transformation of you know this is going to be the most beautifully painful incredible experience of your life and it, and it truly is because when you're going through, I call it the stage of cocooning um, and you're changing in there, it's oftentimes just like it is for a butterfly. I love, I have butterflies tattooed all on my back because I just love the process of that and how it is so connected to transformation. Yeah. When you're in that time, it's often very what we would consider ugly, you know, and it doesn't feel good. It's, it's, it's a time... Um, and, and I felt that completely, you know, I, yeah, I was driving down the road and I'm like, yes, I'm feeling this feeling for the first time, but in so many ways, feeling so much pain because for the first time in my life, I was being awakened and awakened to a lot of the decisions that I had made in my life, Mm. um, people that I had hurt, um, and, and really where I was at in my life, you know, and, and that felt as, as good as it felt to fill this feeling and find this, I felt in pain in a lot of ways because I was trying to figure out who I was, um, step into a new identity, and, and again, also of everything in my past that now was, now I was like, holy crap, like that was real. That all really happened. I did all those things. And, um, and it was a lot of time through um, forgiveness. 
And so after that happened, I actually, I moved back to Colorado shortly after that because my, uh, my, my grandfather had died and my grandma, who had spent a good amount of time raising me, asked me to come live back in, uh, in Colorado. And um, it, through those times, um, I, <sighs> so many tears, so many times of questioning myself, of um, wondering if I was making the right decisions, if this is who I was supposed to be, knowing that this life that I was stepping into felt a lot harder actually than the life that I was living in because that's what I knew. Mm. And um, it felt like a huge low. And I want to normalize that. And I always try to normalize that with people because when they start to step into transformation, they think of what the end result is going to be, of what they want in their life. And they're not thinking of what it takes to get there in the change that, that happens. And that often is a low. It's yeah. a low. Yeah. yeah. And also, um, I love the way you put that because it's the same in, in business as well, right? Like people like hire a coach, for example, in business or even a transformation expert like yourself, they'll hire somebody and in their mind, they're like, okay, cool. So the hardest part of this is giving the money to them. That's the <laughs> hardest part of all this is definitely going to be investing that money because there's a lot of money going out for that, right? And they, they make that decision and it's great. But then as it unfolds, like as the identity begins to, to shift, because it does, you begin expanding. But you, as you expand, you're also contracting. It's kind of happening at the same fucking time. Mm -hmm. And um, I find that when people are presented again with like roadblocks, whether this is in their fitness and health or whether this is in their business, like, you know, business is going good. And then all of a sudden there's a bit of a trough or whatever. Um, it can really leave people feeling like, again, like, what is the point in all this then? Like, I've done this and I've made this and I've done this and I've done this. And it's still not quite where, because they've got this place that they think that they're going to end up like this destination, this, this paradise at some point. But that just isn't really true, is it? Because we're constantly expanding and constantly contracting like it's growth. We're going to continue to do that in all these different areas. So what I'd like to ask is like, could you give people some advice on how they can stay tuned into that end point that they desire, the place that they want to go, but whilst also experiencing this expansion and contraction of who they are and um, how that changes when they experience all these different roadblocks and things like, what do you think it is that you could share with someone to, to help them kind of break through if they're feeling one of those times now? Yeah. Well, I, I definitely want to, uh, before I say what that thing is, I want to normalize that, what you just said, which is so perfect, is that we'll never stop. You, you're looking at this de destination, but it, I, 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 every person, successful person that I've talked to, I'm like, I want to be at their level or their level. Every time I talk to them, they're like, it's always an, new level, new devil. Like there, you'll always, you'll get to that point and then you'll just, it, it just continues, right? So yes, I don't want to frustrate anybody thinking like, okay, well, I'm never going to be satisfied. I'm never going to feel like I'm there or I have enough. I'm always going to be like in this searching of um, how do I get to that next step, right? And that's what I want to talk, that, that's what I'll explain is kind of how to step out of that. Yeah. But I want to normalize that that is a real thing and you will feel that way. I mean, I remember in even bringing on, I remember first starting personal training and just even like hoping that any one person would come work with me. I'd 
barely charged anything. And I was inviting people to come work out with me. And I was like, $5 for a boot camp. <laughs> anything. People just come work out with me. And and at that time, like that was, you know, I, I, I would do anything to just create five clients or 10 clients. Like that was like mind blowing to me where now I have festivals of 10,000 people and I'm still like, what's the next, right? Yeah. How are we taking this worldwide? And, and, and I know you may be, whoever's sitting there, you know, just starting out in their business or just feeling really stuck where they're at right now, um, knowing that you will always be going on to the next place. And even when you get there, of, of you'll feel then I'm here. Okay. Now what's the next one? Because you're high level thinkers, right? You're starting, you're, you're, um, you're, you're into creating and the, and knowing that something is possible for you much more outside of what society tells you, right? There's something like me and you were talking about before we yeah. even started this. Yeah. Um, and I even touched on the fact that I'm there right now. I'm there right now because I'm like, okay, 10,000 people at my festival, I want to take this nationwide, right? I am ready to go to that next place. And I'm like, why isn't it happening yet? Where is it? And grounding myself back into what's my purpose and my mission and why am I doing this and keeping myself more attached to that than I am the $10,000 month or the amount of people that are at the festival or those things that we often get attached to. Yeah. And those things are the things that keep us feeling like we're not winning or there's not enough or the opportunity is not available to us or the clients aren't coming to us. When we're stuck in those thoughts of the amount of people and, and you're not attached to why you're doing it. You're not attached to the feeling of why you're doing it. And you're only attached to the anxiety of wanting more. You're going to continue to stay where you're at. Yep. You're going to continue to stay stuck. And so I, even before we got on this podcast, I was in my meditation. That was like, that was my thing. I was like connecting to the feeling of what it's going to be like to impact the world with this mission and staying connected to that feeling but not thinking about everything that it's going to take to get there and all the sponsorships I need to close and all these things that need to happen along the way and more to the connection of the feeling and the impact that I'm creating in this world and what it's going to feel like when I do create that, the feeling of it. That's powerful. And how, how would you, if you had to give someone a bit of direction into how they tap into that, what would, what is the process that you're using to kind of ground yourself in the feeling as opposed to being very metric driven by the numbers, for example, because I know that the reason I ask this question is I know there's a lot of coaches that will be listening to this who, you know, they may, uh, they, they may be like, right, it's the end of the month. I've got, you know, my, my leads are dry or it's the end of the month. I haven't quite hit my target yet. They're very focused on the metric and the more focused they become on those numbers, uh, and those digits, the less connected they are to the feeling of why they're doing it. So the process that you're using, it's obviously effective. And I know that you're going through the process still, but is there any insights you can share as to how these people can do that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I would encourage you if you don't do any type of meditation, I definitely would tap you into have you tap into that. Um, and even into all meditation is, is it's sitting quietly with yourself. It really is. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes we get lost in what meditation is, but it's really just being present and being quiet and, and listening to the incredible intelligence that's already within you. Um, and, um, and, and when you do that, I, 
I would encourage people to really look at and to be able to connect that into their heart and their mind of what the feeling is and being able to feel that in complete presence of their self. So if they go sit in that meditation, whether it be a guided meditation or just sitting in silence, before you do that, do some work, take some time to write some things out, get some things out of your head and, and really start working through on what are you looking to create and what is the feeling that comes from that. So if you're looking to create a business where you're impacting, you know, you're bringing in a thousand clients in a year or whatever that may look like to you um, or your next, your first 10, right? Um, why do you want to do that? right? And what is it going to create when you do that? And then continue to ask yourself why. Continue to ask yourself why. And peel back those onion layers on that until you can find out what is the emotion behind that. Because everything we do comes from an emotion. Yeah. Every decision we make, every result, every reaction comes from an emotion. So what is it? And and that is why at the beginning of my program, I have people, they, they're like, I joined a health and fitness program. Why am I doing this? Like I have them tack, tap into every dream that they could ever think that they have for their lives. And then I have them just dissect it. Why do they want that? What's the feeling it's going to create in their lives? For me, a lot of the time, there's feelings of freedom, right? It's going to create a feeling of freedom. It's going to create the feeling of joy. Um, and, and how does that feel within me? And a lot of the time for people to be able to tap into that feeling, they have to tap into as if they've already created that. Right. When you have complete freedom in your life, what does that feel like? Tap into a moment in your life when you felt freedom in your life. Right. When you felt completely free. What did that feel like? And, and continue to do that when you're sitting in that place of being completely present, of allowing yourself to fill that moment. Even if you need to think about that moment and step into your body into that moment allow your body to get used to what that feels like so you know what that feeling is yeah and i have spent hours and hours and hours in doing this and a lot of the time people get caught up in letting ego take um take the reins and what happens when ego is taking the reins you're going to know right away your ego is going to come in when you're sitting in that moment of silence and they're going to start to think of you know, that you need to do laundry and you need to call this person, you need to call that person and your ego is also going to get caught up so much in the thing and not allowing yourself to feel the feeling, right? It's going to get caught up in the $10,000 instead of what is the emotion attached to the $10,000, right? Yeah. Um, and that is where you're going to find that. Yeah, it's powerful. I'm a big proponent of meditation. I, you know, I think I've been doing it for about two years now like really grounding myself and you saw me before I went uh live on the podcast I could do that every single time before every single podcast I will sit and I will ground myself and I'll meditate even if it's 30 seconds if I get 30 seconds I'm going to do it um and one of the biggest things that worked for me when you mentioned about getting it out of your head first so it's actually an amazing tip and I, and I completely back this brain dump the fuck out of yourself, like get as much out of your mind before you actually sit and try and switch off. Because if you don't, what will actually happen, like Rachel mentioned, is you'll be going, oh, I remember I've got that appointment later. I remember I've got to do that. I remember I said I'd read 10 pages and blah, blah, blah. You have all this stuff happening for you and it's not going to actually help you really ground yourself in what you need to be doing which is trying to attach yourself to the feeling right mm -hmm. so it's um really really important i i'm a massive proponent of that um and one of the things that 
I would like to add to this, this, this part of the conversation is um, we spoke about it before, which was uh, having the mission, having like a clear mission of where you want to go, vision for where you want to go. And what's the mission that kind of, uh, that works alongside that right and the way I like to look at this is like a vision is 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 imagine your your life your business whatever it is your results without any boundaries whatsoever without any lid on them so it's it's limitless I can achieve and do anything with my company or with my body or whatever it is what does that look like what does that vision look like uh, and then the mission is what are the tactical steps that I've really got to take every day or every week or every quarter to achieve that mission and the, uh, sorry, that vision. Um, so I think that when you break it down like that, it becomes a bit easier for you to anchor into those feelings, you know, because then you're not just, you, firstly, you've actually got somewhere where you want to go. There's a reference point. And uh, when you've got a reference point for where you are and where you want to go, it's tangible now, makes more sense. Uh, and it's not so unclear. And obviously if it's making more sense, then it, it feels a bit stronger. You have a stronger connection to it. Um, and then secondly, with regards to the mission, it's like being clear on it and then acting in alignment to what it is that you want to do. So one of the things that I do with my clients a lot is we talk about like um, uh, building a business through the lens they choose or building your life through the lens you choose or your body through the lens you choose. It doesn't really matter what you end up with. But the idea is, is that if you've got somewhere that you want to go, you've got the vision that you want to achieve. Um, and then every, in the day, you might find yourself doing something that is out of alignment with that so like, <laughs> and we do it all the time it's just it just happens right so if someone says you know i don't want to get to, i want to get to 10k months it's like great that's where you want to go remember it's not a vision by the way 10k months is not a vision it's little it's an objective if that um but then you score this place that you want to go and then you then you like but then they'll start building their business to get that 10k with all these things that feel sticky and icky to them and out of alignment and then it just brings more resistance and more clouded vision to it anyway so they never really quite get there and what i always talk about is like checking yourself as often as you need to uh, this might be daily, it might be hourly for some people, but looking at what you're actually doing every day and is it in alignment to the vision that you're creating? So in regards to, and the reason I'm speaking about this, I'm getting to this point of you with the the vision really of, of taking um, your event nationwide and then, you know, global, I assume it's probably in there, right? Um, do, you, do you find that for yourself where like having a really clear, um vision of where you want to go with that and then find yourself sometimes again acting out of alignment to it and if you do what do you do to check yourself what do you do to be like Rachel back on that please come on let's let's get focused uh it does that does that question make sense and if so I'd love to kind of unpack a little bit of how your mind works around that yeah, absolutely. I feel like we all kind of get out of alignment sometimes of our own vision. Um, and we do that because we get out in alignment of our own values, you know, of, of what really is, um, what's really the most important to us in life. And we start to get caught up in other things that are not in alignment of that, right? Our goals and our values are no longer aligned up. And so we get very off into um, things that then we're feeling blocks, then we're feeling lost, then we're feeling, you know, th that that I can tell you for sure, if you're feeling blocked right now, somewhere along the line, your values and your goals are not aligning in some way. 
Yep, things are out of alignment. And for a long time, I didn't realize that. I would just sit there being blocked and I'd be like, want to like just, ah, I can't freaking stand this. Like, I'm like, I, I don't even feel clear right now. I'm not sure even how to respond to this email. Like, I don't know what the next step <laughs> is. I literally relate so hard to this is <laughs> entrepreneur talk 101, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if you feel that way, guess what? That's everybody's been there. That's not, un, you know. Um, and, and, but I didn't know what it was. I didn't know where it was coming from. And so now when I'm in that place, I'm like, okay, what am I putting my focus on that is not in alignment of maybe, you know, of, of what, what my values are, what the things are that are most important to me. And I'm lost in that in some way. And so I hone back into that. What are my values and how can I connect that into what the overall vision is, right? And they have to be connected in some way. I see this all the time with people's health and fitness goals. Like their values are over here and their health and fitness goals are over here. Well, no wonder you kept, you keep going back to this place. This is where your values are. You need to find a way to attach these values to these goals. Otherwise, you're going to always bounce back to your values. It's it's a part of who you are, the core of who you are. Yeah. And this, this is what uh, this come to me just as you've been kind of talking about that is your journey your story specifically if we again were to take a little bit of a a few steps back to where you were um mid-20s I assume at this point where you've moved back home with your nan about mid-20s were you ish um yeah yeah so I was about 24 yeah Mm -hmm. um and obviously your values at that point way different to what they are now they've shifted I can assume Yes. Yeah. Um, so what work needs to go in place to shift the value? So instead of trying to attach it to the vision that you have, um, what work needs to be done in order to shift those values completely? Because you are, you are a completely different human being to who you were then. Uh, and I find that this is something that a lot of people uh, need to know. They need to understand that they can also undo old patterns of behavior. They can undo old ways of doing things and step into a new way. So for you, what did that process need to look like in order for you to shift those values completely to become who you are now? My identity. It really comes down to that. It's stepping into the identity that, and, 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 and when you change that identity, and we can, we, we, are, we are changing identity, right? Um, and that's really what it came down to, and it still comes down to that. I'm continuing to, we never stop transforming. None of us do. That's life right? We're always transforming. Um, And that's why I say there's never really a transformation story. The transformation story (laughs) is so true. It goes back to the expansion and contraction. Yeah, it's just that's life. Um, But continuing to step into the identity that's in alignment with this, this vision. If my identity is not in alignment with this vision, and in turn, my identity and my values go hand in hand, then it's, it, I'm not going to be able to create that or, or connect into that vision yeah. um, because only the person who's living out the identity of the person who can create that vision is going to create that vision. Mm. So that would be my question to anybody is what identity are you living into? And is that the identity of the person who's living out that vision? And um, most likely, if you're feeling out of alignment of it, no, you're not acting into that each day. You're not living out as the person who is, you know, creating that business that you want to create, 
who's taking their event worldwide. You know, you need to act into that and turn make yourself that person. Ooh, fire. If you want to get people need to just gonna have to go back through this one a couple of times, I think, because some of the stuff that you've said has been uh has been on fire, right? There's something that is burning me now. And it's to think about like the space between you where you were then, uh, like when you moved back to your nans and then you now, like I'm still in this phase of like, there's a lot of stuff we could discuss. And I know that we're, we're going to get on time soon. It might even be that we need to get you back, but uh, which I would be absolutely honored for, by the way, as a part two with Rachel Pasta would be sick. Um, but one of the things that I want to just mention here is like, um, when, when did you realize at that when did you realize that this was really something that you wanted to do for other people like and how did that business transformation take place if if we're tight for time feel free to like graze through it but if not um even if we kind of use your story to give tactical advice here um what did the journey of building your business look like and uh, uh, if you could give us insights into that yeah well, it really started in that moment when I left the gym. That's when I was like, I knew I want to work in this in some way, somehow. But it wasn't until I moved back to Colorado um, that I I really started to be like, okay, I need to work in a gym. Like I know that's that at that time was the vision. The vision was working in a gym. Um, and, and so I knew that I was going to do whatever it takes to work at 24-hour fitness and um, I didn't care if it was a front desk person, right? I was going to do whatever it takes to work there. And then I, I ended up going back to school and it really was a slower unfold, which I, it really is for everybody because we have this thought around time, <laughs> but time is non-existent in, mm -hmm. in the world of creating. Um, and so I went back to school. I ended up working at 24 Hour Fitness. I was teaching cycling classes. And then from there, the vision was become a personal trainer. Okay. Um, then I created that. I became a personal trainer. Um, I became more educated in a, in a lot of different areas um, that pertain to what I wanted to do um, in a lot of different certifications. I started working in the gym as a personal trainer, worked at different gyms. And then the thought was, okay, I just who I am, I'm possibility. I don't want the gym to take, you know, a certain amount of my money and I want to do this on my own. So then the vision was create your own business, create your own, yeah. you know, space. Yeah. And, and so from there, that was what I, what I created. I started my own business where I was just contracting out of other people's gyms. So, um, and then from there I was like, okay, actually it'd be really cool to have my own space. So then that was the vision, right? And so then um, the vision from there though, I will say grew pretty expansive pretty quickly because then I started to jump into the realm of that anything was possible for me because yeah. I like, yeah. I started working in 24 hour fitness. I taught cycling class. I became a personal trainer. And then I started to realize, oh wow, any of this stuff is available to me. So then my mind really started to expand into, okay, how can I impact the masses? Like, I got this gym. This is great. But now I want to impact more than just bringing an individual person to pay for one hour of my time. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, um, from there, um, I haven't touched on this at all, but I ended up working for, um, Chris and Heidi Powell from extreme weight loss edition on ABC. And, um, and for a lot of people they are like, how'd you go from that to that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but really for me, it was stepping into that. I told you at that moment when I opened my own space, 
It was in that moment I was like, nothing's impossible. And I saw on their Instagram that they had advertised to, um, they were going to be in Denver, and they had advertised to work with a couple personal trainers. You had to apply to really teach them their methods. And, um, and so I applied because I said yes to a possibility, right, an opportunity. And, and that door opened for me. Out of all the personal trainers that applied, they chose me to come. Um, awesome. And... And I had an opportunity to work with them. And I opened up in vulnerability when I was with them. I remember all the personal trainers going around. And this is, if you take another thing from this story, it's it's really stepping into who you authentically are. And all the personal trainers went around and told their story. And it was very much the same story. Oh, I, I love health and fitness. So I just decided to help people in health and fitness. I don't know. It got around to me. And I was like, I don't know what came over me. I just decided to be me. And I was like, I was a heroin addict. <laughs> I was homeless. Let and it out. <laughs> Here it is. And um and 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 they very much connected to that vulnerability and in all in, in realizing and, and once you get to that place of realizing that you know everybody has a story and actually the more more vulnerable you are and the more you're willing to share that story, the more you're gonna connect with people. Yeah. Um so they really connected with that. They they asked me to beta test their app, which launched me into the online coaching industry because it was about eight months later, Heidi Powell called me up. Uh and I remember my phone ringing. I was like, why is Heidi calling me? The answer is she's like, Rachel, we're starting a coaching company. We want you to come work for us. And um and at that point uh, launched me into the online world, um, which is what I had envision for myself because when I opened my gym my vision became how do I impact more people and I couldn't I didn't know necessarily what it was yeah I didn't know how to do it yeah but it was the online fitness industry you can impact people from anywhere at any time um and it's a beautiful opportunity um so we transformed people's lives around the world because they have their their shows in china it's in all different places so we're bringing in people all around the world i was one of three coaches that worked for them i worked for them for a couple years and um and then i i again possibility you know i i started the fitness festival while i was working for them um and and those and 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 in in starting that fitness festival um me and my husband, we put everything on the line for that thing. Um, and, 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 and we ended up mortgaging our house to make that event happen. We rented out a stadium and all the streets around it for wow. our very first year. Um, it was a, it was a massive jump of faith, but in faith that anything is possible. Um, and, and it really grew from there. Um, I ended up leaving working for them because, Again, possibility. I was like, I'm only going to rise so high working for them. I yeah. want to be able to do this on my own. And so um, I went off on my own, which I did uh, a little over a year ago, uh, started my own coaching company. Um, but I, I hope that when people hear Incredible. that, they realize that that was many years. So I am, I'm about to be 38 years old. Okay. And, and that really, really started around 24 years old is when I like, was like, okay, I'm going to get a job at 24 hour fitness. Yeah. Right. So you think of all the years that, that came in between that. Um, and, uh, well it was 2008. So 2008 is when that started to now. Um, yeah. and, and then also realizing that my vision originally was becoming a personal trainer, right? It wasn't originally 
that I popped in this transformation. I'm like, now we're taking over the world. <laughs> it wasn't that. And I, that's okay. I absolutely love it. And do you know what? I like, I would love to have you back for a part two, just to discuss some of the things that you've just mentioned. Cause I know you kind of fast tracked that, um, that part of the story. But one of a couple of things that are jumping out is firstly, like this is for the people listening. Okay. Like you, <clears throat> you have to fucking do things sometimes that might make you feel a little bit uncomfortable right now. I know that's not mind blowing information. However, when I look around me and I see so many coaches not doing it, I'm like, they don't get it. You know what I'm saying? You don't get it because you need to. I'm sure that there were certain things that you did in that time that probably made you feel uncomfortable. Like, you know, remortgaging your house. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know, like putting everything on the line. Like, I don't know, even fucking down to the basics of sending an application off to do that work with them. And a lot of people will, will not do it because they are... And again, they're living out an old, old dominant stories they've been through or whatever, but there's reasons to why they're not doing it. They don't want to put themselves into a position of feeling uncomfortable that might potentially get them rejected because I know that's what I took from it is like, there was a lot of things that I've said no to over the years, or, or even if it does align with my vision, I've kind of been like, oh, I shouldn't really do that because, and don't get me wrong, there's loads of stuff I have also done that didn't then work out, but whatever, that then reinforced that. That was like, no, you see, because when you do try and stretch, this happens, man, and it's always going to happen like this. But eventually you got there and you did it. And now you're in a different place. And guess what? I did it. I did. I decided to make do things that made me uncomfortable. And you have to do that. You have to just make a fucking decision. And sometimes that decision is to send that email, to put yourself out there a bit, to share your story just like you did around that table, you decided to share your story. Everyone else had one. And I could put my bottom fucking dollar down right now and say that some of their stories are probably just as powerful as yours in some, in some ways to them and to other people that relate to it more powerful than yours in the same way that there'll be other people that relate to your story and your story is more powerful. And this brings me back to, I want to share this story real quick of previous business partner in fit story perry power because when you said about your story where you shared it with them in that interview mm -hmm. same thing happened with perry perry was said for people that don't know i'm just going to quickly blast through this so perry was sexually abused by his granddad for over a year okay when he was 10 um he told once his dad found out um his his dad then told him to keep it quiet because you know you don't want a black cloud a black shadow over the family the power name this is not what we do. So Perry kept it quiet. He kept it quiet for a lot of years. And eventually uh, in June, 2017, his dad died of a heart attack. Suddenly, bam, gone. Um, and it kind of, you know, was really it, quite a lot of things happening for Perry. Perry went to this event, right? It was like a business mastermind um, with the guys that run Remote Fit Pro over here in the UK. Actually big, huge company um, now run by James Moody and his fellow men. And he went to his business mastermind. And he's sitting there, and everyone's like, "Tell a little bit about yourself," you know. And it was kind of like one of those round the table. You know, okay, so my name's this, and I, you know, grew up here and did this. And a lot of people, he said that nobody really, nobody really got vulnerable. No one was like, you know, um, you know, this happened to me. Blah blah blah. And they, no one did what you did, basically, Rachel. They all kind of played it down. 
keep it quiet, you know, be reserved. And they all did that. But when it came around to Perry and he wasn't intentional about doing it in the same way you weren't, it was just something inside him. It was like, this has to come out. You have to purge it at some point. And it came out and he went, I'm Perry Power. And when I was 10 years old, my granddad sexually abused me for over a year. And it was like, everyone in the room was just like, what in the fuck is happening? You know, but it, 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 it did not only something for the connection that he made with those people and deepened the connection with those people, it deepened the connection with himself and his story. And then he was able to go on. And yes, it's taken him a few years, but now he's, uh, he's written a book called Breaking the Silence and it went to the Amazon bestseller uh, in the sexual abuse category. So what I'm trying to say here as we just tie this off is if, if you need to listen back to this podcast two, three, four, five times, I don't know how many times you're going to need to do it before it clicks, but listen to what Rachel was saying, listen to the story that she's been through and listen to where she's at. Now you look at my story, like these things, Perry's story, anyone else's story, Oprah Winfrey and all these other people out there that have been through some really, you know, unfavorable things in their life, whether they did that themselves or not. Um, change is possible. And like, remember at the beginning of this podcast, I said, I think that if there's one thing this will do is it will help give people, it will change people's perspective of what is actually possible for themselves. I think that is just one great way for us to kind of tie this off is you proof and I'm proof. And there's other people that are proof and you can be too. The person listening to this, like you get to make a decision at the end of this podcast as to what you want your life to go and look like, what you want your vision to look like how connected you want to be to your mission, all of the things that we've discussed in here, what values you need to shift and change in order to become who you want to be. You get to decide what that looks like. And I encourage you to take stock, meditate for a few minutes if you have to, brain dump and do something with the content we've just shared. Absolutely. Beautiful. Way to wrap that up. Didn't know if I was ever going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> um Rachel Pasta this has been awesome I thoroughly enjoyed every single uh second here of this podcast episode I'm looking forward to doing it again but there is one thing that I will ask you before we do go it's like and and I know we've been talking about vision a bit but what does the next kind of um six months of this year look like for you what are you planning to do yeah so uh we have our festival on August 27th here in uh Colorado and then uh, we are expanding um, into Arizona. So that's all happening in the next six months. Um, and then as well, just, just continuing to expand in helping people in transformation um, and spending time with my family, which is, you know what, <clears throat> a beautiful journey in itself of being an entrepreneur and having a family and finding the balance and the beauty of showing up for both. So that's really where I'm putting my attention. I love it. Hey, look, if Fit Story can do anything to support, you know, I got your motherfucking back. Um, I'll leave all relevant links in the show notes, guys. Please do go follow Rachel Pasta on Instagram. Uh, I won't do it because I might get it wrong. But what, what, what do people need to search if they want to just quickly hop on their phones and do that? Yeah, it's Rachel, R-A-C-H-E-L, and then dot pastor, like your church pastor, P-A-S-T-O-R. And you'll know exactly who it is when you land on it. I mean, um, the branding is all there and everything. So I'm super excited for people to come and connect with you. Uh, and one thing I will call you guys to action here right now, okay? If you enjoyed this episode, 
I would love it if you would tell a friend about it, right? I don't do any ads. I'm not like blasting programs in your face. I'm not telling you to sign up to stuff all the time. But what I will do is say, please share this with one person. Like, just be like, yo, here's a link. Check this podcast episode out and send it to a fucking friend, okay? If you can do that for me, that'd be amazing. Rachel Pasta, I appreciate you. I appreciate your time. I'm looking forward to doing this again. Fit Story fam, we are out. Out.